0: The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth.
1: Welcome to Veritas.
0: Tonight we honor the life and the legacy of Nigel Kerner, born in 1946 and died in 2022. He was a screenwriter, journalist, and author of Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls and the Song of the Greys. We discuss this final book on this interview, Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence, the battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. The rush toward a technologically advanced future is part of the gray alien agenda. Humanity's biggest existential threat is our headlong rush to a technologically advanced future. Already, we increasingly rely on smart devices to the point that they are becoming extensions of our bodies. We are at a turning point for our species in which our natural humanity is gradually being converted into an artificial format that will lead to the loss of our souls. And as Nigel Kerner reveals, in astonishing detail, that blueprints for this future already exist. There are civilizations in our universe that have developed advanced technologies to become entirely artificial. The great alien entities, reported in tens of thousands of abductions, appear to be bio-machines, synthetic beings sent out as AI probes to gather information about something they lack that humans and other natural beings possess, a soul. Examining scientific, historical, cultural, and religious evidence for gray alien visitations as far back as 40,000 years ago, Nigel Kerner reveals that the grays themselves set us on this path toward artificial intelligence millennia ago. Kerner shows how our intrinsic nature as human beings is no longer entirely human our natural consciousness and DNA have been hacked. And an artificial construct has been superimposed at the very foundation of our thinking processes. Nigel shows how a rush towards a technologically advanced, artificially intelligent future was seeded and precipitated by the graves in order to control us and prepare us to fit in with their agenda for humanity. Revealing the secret alien hives on our planet, their connections to governments, and their ultimate end game to harvest our souls and alter our DNA by developing yourself on a soul level by recognizing your individual connection to divinity you can protect your soul field and your consciousness from the gray's terrible manipulations you are listening to Veritas if this is your first time listening welcome home To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy. Get a 15-day free trial of FLFE today. We also have Rebounders, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Veritas and Sanitas seasons and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your
2: host, Mel Hasselrich.
0: Danielle Silverman is a UK-based researcher and editor. She has worked for over 30 years alongside the late author Nigel Kerner, having collaborated on all three of his books. She remains profoundly inspired by his groundbreaking explanation of the rationale Behind alien visitation Not only defining what these visitors are But how they came to be Also joining us tonight Is Professor John P. Biggerstaff PhD Dr. Biggerstaff has a doctorate degree In cell biology and biochemistry From Brunel University in London, England Dr. Biggerstaff was a professor Of cell biology for many years At the University of Tennessee Tonight's episode Honors the memory of Nigel Kerner The esteemed guest who recently passed away. Nigel was an avid contributor to the field of alternative research, passionately discussing topics such as UFOs, extraterrestrial life, and spiritual evolution. He was a source of inspiration for many, and his contributions to the world of metaphysics and ufology will be remembered for years to come. We fondly recall his enthusiasm, creativity, and commitment to truth. To commemorate his memory, we are proud to present two special guests, Danielle Silverman, and Professor John Biggerstaff. Both of whom were close friends of Nigel's, We will be discussing his recently published book, which he completed shortly before his passing. Join us as we explore Nigel's work and delve into the fascinating topics he was so passionate about. But before we begin, I have a question. What if the aliens we are looking for are AI? If the aliens we are looking for are artificial intelligence, then our search for them might be quite challenging. AI is a complex technology and is still largely mysterious to us. Therefore, we would need a high level of technical expertise to find and communicate with them. Additionally, due to the ethical implications of creating an AI species, we may need some specialized protocols to interact with them safely. Is it possible that intelligent life could evolve in a way that does not involve biology and that the development of advanced intelligence is tied to the evolution of biological organisms? Perhaps today's panel can discuss these possibilities and help us to better understand the potential implications of AI aliens. And directly from London, England, I'd like to welcome Danielle Silverman and Professor John Biggerstaff. Welcome, how are you?
2: Thanks, Mel, very happy to be here. Hi, Mel, doing fine. My pleasure.
0: And may I call you Danielle and John.
2: Absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Well, I had to honor Nigel. In fact, when I received the book, I had no idea that he had passed, but I'm so glad that you both are here honoring his memory. This is going to be a great show dedicated to, to, to Nigel. But I have to ask you, what is the, the context of this book? What is the thesis that Nigel is trying to, to, to pursue at this time?
2: Well, this book is actually uh, has been published at a very timely um, moment, really, with uh, because uh, especially since the time of the pandemic, when basically everything uh, moved online because um, people had to stay at home, the the development towards um, a virtual existence for humanity kind of took a quantum leap, and and now even more than before. Uh, basically, many of us live through a, a virtual presence online. Uh, we're willingly uploading everything about our lives onto the internet, onto social media, um, and feeding artificially intelligent algorithms with with the very information they actually need to control our lives. So I know... Um, the theme is the grey aliens, who are also, Nigel suggests, a form of artificial intelligence from another civilization that reached our technological level of development and went beyond it. But we ourselves are developing a similar form of artificial intelligence, not quite at that stage yet. And we are going head over heels without without a thought, putting everything we can Onto the internet, so that these algorithms can control our lives, our, our voting patterns, our shopping um, preferences. So th- this conversion, this uh, of a natural human perspective, where there's imagination, creativity, um, challenge to be able to do things that are difficult, is gradually disappearing into a society where ease is the most important thing and quickness. Um, And and, uh, rather than having meaningful relationships with people, we tend to invest everything we are on social media, waiting for likes and dislikes to come back at us. So real commitment and um, real value seems to be disappearing. So Nigel's latest book um, is basically on that theme, showing the implications for humanity of happily accepting what he believes to be a a totally devastating future for the real value of humanity. And basically, since he wrote his previous book in 2010, things have changed completely where that's concerned. It just seems that we're taking quantum leaps towards a virtual, artificial, grey-like existence.
0: I have to say that when I interviewed Nigel years ago, he was so far ahead of the game that I think I'm pretty well versed into a lot of these topics, but he was so ahead of the game that it was hard for me to understand where he was going, but now I do in retrospect. Sure. He was wor- he was writing those books really in decades ahead.
2: Exactly. And actually, his first book was 1997, Song of the Greys. And I believe, I don't know for sure, but I believe he was the first author to say that these grey alien visitors might be artificially intelligent and not natural living beings that most people at that time um, thought they were. That was, I, I believe he was the first person to say that. And in more recent years, um, uh, even scientists like the late Stephen Hawking um, said that if any alien intelligence were likely to visit us and communicate with us it would almost certainly be post biological some kind of AI um, civilization because we can see we're on the edge of that now so if there are societies uh, civilizations that uh, out there in the universe which they most definitely are even mainstream science accepts now there must be hundreds of thousands if not millions of other life forms like us out there in the universe, then if they're more technologically advanced than us, which is likely, if you have a look at the technology that these um, craft are capable of, nothing that we have, um, it seems, then it's likely it's AI. They've sent out some kind of programmed probe into the universe.
0: Well, Nigel proposed that mankind's biggest existential threat is not from environmental disaster. And again, he, there he was, speaking ahead of ahead of the game, brought from my own transition from natural human being to cyborg. What inspired him to take that stance?
2: Well, I think it was basically just observation and common sense if you just have a look at the way the world is going so technology technology is it's not the technolo- technology is bad right so he he didn't suggest that we should do what the uh, in, in the 19th century when uh, agricultural machinery was taking away people's jobs there was a group of people in Britain called the luddites and they tried to smash up the machines right he's not saying Technologic technology in itself is a bad thing. Technologic technology has done the most incredible things to help us. The problem comes when technology becomes a substitute and a crutch that we lean on, a substitute for our own capabilities. So it's just a commonly um, known fact that if you don't lose use your abilities. I mean, you you can see that with uh, physical training. If you don't use your body. If you don't exercise, you lose muscle, you lose the capability to do to do things, you lose strength. OK, in the same way, if we don't use our imagination, if we don't use our ability to uh, have to conquer challenges, we will lose That those faculties, those human faculties. And that's exactly what we're doing. Now nobody needs to know um, how to find their way somewhere. They can use Google Maps. You no longer need to do careful research in a library to find information. It takes you two seconds on Google. And this is the thing if these faculties aren't used, they will disappear. So and, and be eroded away so that it eventually we become basically drones. and the most key the key fact there is is the is human connection. so basically we're being we're schooling ourselves to live in a kind of artificial setup through social media where we don't make those crucial, powerful human connections that are so absolutely vital. If, as the great teachers all suggested, the real meaning behind our existence is human connection. And if we lose that, we lose our humanity.
0: I've noticed the lack of creativity when it comes to cars, uh, when it comes to movie production. It's almost like there's this new template where everything is the same. And let me talk about Elon Musk for a moment, because this is part of the book. Elon Musk has said that he wants to achieve symbiosis, with artificial intelligence, with his Neuralink device. How do how do you think this will change the format of human living and being?
2: Well, that yes, so Elon Musk, uh, he's one example of this, of this new momentum to create brain-machine interfaces, right? And, and every day there seems to be some kind of new technology where people are, are trying to do this. So the idea is that in the future, um, we're going to reach our next, in inverted commas, evolutionary stage, where we become part machine. And it's seen as some kind of enhancement. So we could be more intelligent, say the advocates of this. Um, we could uh, have enhanced physical capabilities stronger. We could maybe live forever. Maybe these uh, brain-machine interfaces could somehow, or biological um, mechanisms that are artificial could somehow enhance our physicality so that we live forever there are others who suggest that if we can and and there have been experiments which have been done that show that brain signals uh, can actually be recorded thoughts and feelings can be recorded and played back so that those same thoughts and feelings come alive in someone else's brain. So they the the idea has been postulated that we could live forever as a recording, an, a recording of our entire lives, everything we know about, everything we do, everything we think, our likes and dislikes, all put onto some kind of hard drive that would go into the future and, and we would have what they believe is some kind of eternal life. The whole point is, to start with, if you start to introduce technology, let's say a chip into the into the body, okay, that is, is somehow or Neuralink, okay, as soon as you have some kind of a technology in there, it can be hacked, okay. So, if you have a look at people like Musk and the other um, big tech leaders in the world, do we really think? That they have the interests of humanity at heart. Do we really think that they would be trying to ingrandize human potential and and every normal every every individual in the world to become something better and and uh, more capable and happier? The whole history of. Uh, business would totally contradict that because obviously they're looking for profit. They're looking for power. They're looking for control. As soon as they have some kind of brain machine interface in us, they will control us. It's not, it's just common sense. And really that was Nigel's approach to the entire, um, the entire um, view into the future it was basically he looked at it with common sense, and he had such a remarkable way of making connections that, as you said, he was just completely ahead of ahead of his time, with um with the kind of conclusions he came to.
0: I understand. Uh, some people have asked Elon Musk, "Are you planning to replace the organic consciousness?" And obviously, technology always has. It's a two two. It's a double-edged sword. I can understand if if somebody has disabilities or they need to enhance the capabilities of of people who are already healthy is another thing. But uh, this thing of supplementing organic consciousness seems suspicious to me. But let me ask you this. Many scientists have proposed that humans should be wired up with sensors that form early warning systems for disease or illness. Do you think this will be a danger to our privacy and autonomy?
2: Well, absolutely. And it's it's really interesting you say that because again, if we look at the pandemic, okay, and we look at the whole this whole idea of vaccine passports, okay, that I feel, I do wonder, and I was very worried when all this was going on because I I, I noticed that there was a certain dogma, a certain way of thinking that you could not contradict at that time. So experienced, well-known epidemiologists would, would cut off YouTube if they dared to question the vaccines or lockdowns. Okay? And these are eminent scientists, you know. Nobody could say anything against what was going on in terms of what the governments were doing in terms of the vaccines and the lockdowns. And the vaccine passports restricted people's movements. We were getting used to that. They were using fear to control us and and also uh, manipulation. So people were told in in Britain, for example, um, you must get the vaccines or you'll kill your grandma. Yet at that, incredibly in England, and I think possibly in many other countries around the world, in care homes, the government did absolutely nothing to help the people who were there and actually sent patients who were still positive with COVID back to the care homes to mix with the people who were there. And the carnage was unbelievable. But then the public were told, you must have these vaccines, you must stay at home, or you will kill grandma. Okay. And it was a mechanism of control. And you can just see in the future, that this was like a a, a way of getting us used to this way of thinking. And in the future, maybe we will have Some kind of vaccine passport as a chip inside us.
1: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know.